It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined by my two usual co-hosts, Carson Ray. Hey, everybody. It's a great day to talk about X-Wing. And John McDermott. Hello, everybody. Big, Actually, pretty big weekend for X-Wing this past weekend. We had the uh, Lima Open digital event held on Tabletop Simulator, which uh, John, Carson, you both played in, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, we did, and we also had another Minnesota player play in who did better than John and I, so of course, uh, we had to bring on Andy Myers. Welcome, Andy. Hello there. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me on. It's uh, an honor, and I'm uh, thrilled to be back uh, on Radio TCX. Well, we're glad to have you, and of course, we are excited to talk about the Lima Open. Yeah, this was actually a really cool event. I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to play this weekend, but that just means I get to take the role of the interviewer here and leave most of the talking to you guys. So I think uh, let's let's get into the conversation here, shall we? All right. So the Lima Open was held this past weekend, Thanksgiving weekend here in uh, in the United States. And uh, first of all, we have to give a huge congratulations to the event winner, Marcelo Duarte, taking the whole event there with uh, finalist Arturo Aliaga taking second place. And actually, uh, John Carson and Andy, you each played against at least one of these guys, so we actually have some first-hand knowledge here about their play styles, which is a fun perspective. Uh, it's as close as we're going to get right now to actually talking to these guys. Uh, this whole event, though, went pretty well, held across Tabletop Simulator, uh, put together by our friend who was on the podcast uh, the other week, Gabo Dertiano. Um, And yeah, I think the whole event went pretty well, wouldn't you say, guys? Oh, absolutely. Very well run event. And it was great. There was a lot of players, um, you know, from South America and around the world that we got to play against. So that was a lot of fun. It was a little early for my liking, but, uh, you know, all those different time zones. What can you do? (laughs) Yeah, you have to accommodate as many people as possible. Actually, as far as an international tournament could go, it was pretty nice, uh, given that they're pretty close uh, to where we are time zone wise. Uh, (laughs) The whole event, though, was, of course, held in support of La Casa de Toros, which is a charity operating down in Peru um, in support of, I believe, you know, I I don't want to have to explain it. Uh, Gabo did a fantastic job, so I'd recommend everyone listen to our episode of Hyperspace Hazard from a couple weeks ago, where Gabo explained the whole situation down there, though. But we we really do recommend that you do support this charity. Uh, we have the link posted on our page, uh, a couple posts down, so you can check it out. La Casa de Todos, uh, really good cause that this event was uh, running in support of. Uh, let's talk about this event, though. I always like to start with the uh, personal perspective. So I want to get just to give a baseline to all our listeners about where you guys are coming from. Let's talk about each of your lists real quick. So, uh, John, you had a pretty good Swiss run. What were you flying this week? Sure. So I was flying a scum list that I have flown in the past at a couple events. Um, it's Old Terak in the Fang Fighter with Fearless. Uh, four Lam in the G1A with elusive, advanced sensors, triple zero, hull upgrade, and Miss Hunter kind of all in on him. And then Palab Gadalhi in the Hawk with Trickshot, L337 crew, engine upgrade, and the Moldy Crow title. Uh, what I really like about this list, John, is that this is the one you usually play at charity events. 
Uh, and this is the list that just takes away everything from your opponent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In a tournament where it's supposed to feel good, this list is here to make you feel bad. So it's it's great. <laughs> I like that you can channel your cynicism, John, into like a really good... So like you're still supporting the charity, but you're trying to take things away from people. So that is um, kind of poetic and beautiful if you think about it. Um, <laughs> Carson, you ended up going top 16 here. What was your list? Uh, yeah, so I flew Resistance. Uh, huge surprise there. <laughs> do you have other ships? Like, do you own other ships? <laughs> I think I have some somewhere. <laughs> They're all in the plastic still. Yeah, so quite a big point shakeup. Uh, was originally going to fly five A-Wings, but uh, Advanced Optics, Heroic, and just A-Wings themselves all seemed to go up. So had to abandon that and do kind of a last-minute swap. Can you believe the audacity of the folks at Atomic Mass Games? They have the property for like one week and they just do these random point hikes that were clearly them and not already pre-planned, right? It's ridiculous. I'm in. Tim, this is how rumors get started. You can't just say things like that. <laughs> do, I, do, I, do I have to say that sarcasm? All right. That's fine. I don't I don't want to get... I would love to see... Well, you don't have to, but... <laughs> arguments starting on Facebook. Did you hear what Radio TCX did? They blamed Atomic Mass Games. Um... And they'll believe you because you they know you live 15 minutes from FFG. I must be. Know. Oh, it's so sad. Like, now Atomic Mass is in Seattle. I don't feel like we're at the heart of where X-Wing is, but... Uh. Well, you have to move now, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> group trips to Seattle. It'll I can't impress all the international players that, uh, you know, I live, uh, you know, 15-minute drive from where Worlds happens that's i can't yeah that's what i said on facebook i don't care about uh who runs and develops x-wing as long as the world championships are held 20 minutes from my house as long as that remains the same everything's fine um so i flew uh poe dameron with heroic r4 um s foils and a heavy laser cannon uh lulo lampar with lone wolf jess pava with just the s foils and rose tico with c3po What's nice about this list in kind of opposite of the five A-Wings is this one went down eight points uh, with the points update. <laughs> so Poe, you know, with dramatic points drop, I mean, that basically gave me a free heavy laser cannon. And, um, you know, one thing I really want to highlight is that Rose Tico you know, went down to 25 points and also C-3PO also went down a point. And so that ship is just 30 points that has quite a bit of modification um, with the, those calculate tokens and Rose's rerolls, plus the ability to give an action to one of your other ships, which is just great. Yeah, like the Rose with Jess synergy is just still really strong. So I'm sure that did a lot of work for you this weekend. Yeah, and if you're not wanting to do advanced optics A-wings, then I really like that Lone Wolf Lulo. I think it does bring a lot to the table. I also like that you're still working hard, that you don't think Lulo's points are high enough, so you have to make top 16 here to try and just get Lulo up a couple more points in the next update. I know. Well, they yeah, they just <laughs> dropped him in points, and so I really shouldn't have uh, had a Lulo finish. Uh, I, need, I need to have him at the bottom table so it goes down a little bit more. But, you know, I think I'd like to see him at 41, but 42, you know, it's not that far off. That's manageable. The real star of the show, though, Andy, uh, we have to talk about your stuff here. You were top four running my favorite faction. Can you tell us a little bit about this list? Absolutely. Uh, but first, I just wanted to uh, jump in uh, about how much I am just in awe of Carson's uh, uh, willingness to take both Poe and Lulo to a tournament where there's possibly players who 
have joined second edition after both of those ships were point costed out of playability like there you may have faced an opponent who had just never seen <laughs> either of those ships on the table because of the points because they were too expensive right uh it's just been that long since i've seen anybody play lulo so uh when i saw that your list i just oh what a, what a madman it's just well uh, you know if you watch my stream game lulo doesn't stay on the table very long so <laughs> there is that well he they burned bright and fast right yeah, I mean, that's the thing about a glass cannon is sometimes it's very much made of glass. Um, yeah, so I uh, flew a first order list. Um, and while this may have been uh, literally the first time I've ever played first order, um, it I have lost many games to both Tim and John <laughs> Uh, flying first order ships. Uh, I remember in first edition losing to John McDermott's quick draw multiple times. And Tim, uh, the last time I got to play in person X Wing, Tim beat me with uh, Hollow and a bunch of uh, Tie SFs. Is that right? I think it, at the store turn. Wasn't it uh, uh, Von Reg? I think it was Von Reg. Oh, it was yeah. Von Reg. My mistake. Yes, <laughs> of course. Anyways, uh, so yeah, I, I have plenty of experience losing to f- the first order. And, um, so on Monday, uh, or Sunday, I was all set to bring, uh, my, uh, typical faction, which is, uh, the scum faction. And I was going to bring Boba and Fen. I've had plenty of practice with it. And, uh, I was also feeling good about just bringing two ships and seeing what happens. And, uh, and then of course they not only did the, they changed the points, but they took out Boba Fett's crew slot so i can't bring maul which is kind of the linchpin of that uh build and so i thought okay well this is uh i can't fly this this weekend and so i brought the list that i had just lost to which is this uh kylo ren with no upgrades in the tie silencer and then three copies of the zeta squadron survivor which is a tie sf it's the generic and uh each of those tie SFs has concussion missiles and passive sensors. So each of those tie SFs is a nice, even 40 points and Kylo is a 76 and I have a four point bid. So, Andy, I really want to know now, why do you believe that the Zeta squadron survivor is the best ship in X-Wing? I'm, I'm just assuming that's what you think, but. Oh, absolutely. It's the laziest ship in X-Wing with <laughs> passive sensors. <laughs> uh, you found my secret. Yes. Um, it's, it's not a, uh, like, you don't need to be good at X-Wing type ship. Like, they're, like, like I just said, I was playing Boba Fett for a while. You know, that's a ship that uh, you, you can do great and not have any practice with. Um, whereas these ones, um, I do attribute uh, a lot of my uh, surprising success this weekend to having flown against uh, and ha- having a lot of training against good FO players. So uh, so thank you, both of you guys, uh, for that. And, uh, and also shout out to Matt Schluter, who uh, beat me over the weekend uh, flying this list. And, um, so I was talking with him and, and big Vic and Kevin Lines about, you know, kind of what I should bring this weekend. And I couldn't come up with a better idea. So I thought, okay, great. I'll give this a try. And, uh, the tie SF really, um, 
really packs a punch when it has those passive sensors, concussion missiles. It's uh, um, you just kind of point it in a, a general direction you assume they're going to be, and you take the passive sensors and hope you live through the engagement to take your lock and shoot your three dice gun that uh, you have a lock with, and they don't get a range three bonus. And and then uh, the next round, you just fly past them and take passive sensors and lock them again and rotate your arc for, for free and shoot them again. Yeah, so. and this is actually one of the areas of First Order I haven't really explored because usually when I'm flying my SFs, I run them pretty bare bones. So I've n- I don't think I've run one with a missile on it, but um, the fact that you, you actually have to fire the missiles out of the uh, mobile arc, right? So if you rotate forward or backwards, those are your only missile options? Yes, which is why you know having a, a missile on there for range two to three works out really great uh, because if you uh, take that passive sensors, which is so cheap, it's only two points, um, you really can just uh, you know choose your up uh, choose your engagements um, after the fact. You can just say, okay, I'm going to take a, a lock or or calculate later on. And um, if they're behind you, great. You take a lock and rotate behind you. Um, or if the more juicy target is in front of you, but your uh, ro- your arc is in the rear, you take a lock and rotate it forward. It's great. Yeah, very versatile. Um, so I want to talk to you guys, just some broad questions about the event here. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, top two lists, though, at the end. But I want to get your impressions here because you guys played a lot of great opponents at this event. Um we had a points update just a few days before the event started, so that kind of shook things up very suddenly. There's some pretty big changes in that, too. Obviously, that blocked out uh, flying 5A wings for you, Carson. Um, I wanted to know, what did you guys? What were you expecting from the metagame going into this event? I know it's kind of hard to, like, not a lot of time there to process all the changes, but big picture, was there anything you expected to see or expected to completely not be there that was popular? Um, I don't know. I mean, nothing really shocked me um, personally in this tournament. I feel like you kind of see a majority of what has been prevalent kind of in the meta for the months leading up to this event. Um, I mean, we did have a new wave of stuff just drop the Friday before, so there was a spattering of new things in there, you know, as you see people, like, trying to try the new stuff out. Um, but mm-hmm. I think in general, like, it was a pretty good meta I mean, also, I mean, it was a charity event, so people, I think, don't feel pressured to bring what's necessarily super good and opt for things that they want to try out or things that they think are fun over competitive. So um, good good mix, in my opinion. I mean, I really didn't have too many expectations about what the meta was going to look like going into this. It was, you know, quite an unknown, both new stuff and a points update really did um, shake things up quite a bit. So I really wasn't sure what to expect. I did kind of think there would be more large base ships um, or medium base ships. I thought there'd be more of the new fire sprays. Um, and there weren't really that many of them. I thought those looked pretty powerful and uh, fire spray is always just a pretty popular ship. Heavy laser cannon on Poe is, you know, an efficient way to get uh, more offense and it's good kind of regardless, but I was expecting kind of more, large base or medium base ships to use that against. Yeah, I think we had one Django uh, break into the top 16, and I think that was the only of the new fire sprays that made it. I think when we get a big points shakeup like this, it's very healthy for the game, and I'm happy that it that it happened um, and that it was um, you know, relatively close to this 
tournament, um, but not, it wasn't the day before, right? Mm. So um, I think when you get a kind of a big points shakeup like this, people kind of instinctively might fall back on something that they were good at uh, a while back, or that is something that they've had a lot of experience with in the past and might dust off. Um, And I think uh, that's a little bit uh, prevalent here on just on our uh, on our show today. Like John, you've played this scum jank list in the past, and it's worked out well for you. You have fun flying it. Same thing with Carson. I know that uh, Lulo... oh, absolutely guilty. <laughs> exactly, um, and uh, I think I, if I hadn't known what I was going to to fly um, ahead of time, if I hadn't just wanted to fly with um this first order list um which i just wanted to try out frankly Uh, it was it was something where i thought this looks like fun i want to give it a try um i probably would have either gone back to um octracon scum list and just like maybe dropped a tractor beam i don't know that's the thing like you, you can't fit that list anymore it's two points too expensive um and just see how that worked, or maybe even go all the way back to running uh, a bunch of T70s, um, which is what I had some success with a while back. Um, I know how the that ship chassis works, and uh, and how to fly in a formation until you need to break apart. Um, so I, I think that a lot of the lists that I flew against felt like standard. What's the word I'm looking for, guys? Um, archetypes that's what archetypal yeah i felt like kind of <laughs> yeah <laughs> i felt like a lot of the lists that i flew against were archetypes that my opponents knew about and were practiced with sure. ahead of this points change it wasn't necessarily oh now i can fly this but more of ooh, i'm not sure what to fly i better go with this that i'm good at. well and i think that particularly applies to like marcelo duarte's list right like we've seen that pop up a ton, right? Like Echo, Inquisitor, Darth Vader, all stand out Imperial ships, and they've been doing great for quite a while. Like, there's nothing really fancy there. It's just extremely well operated. Yeah, I, th- I think it's part of the after a big point shakeup like that. Nuance doesn't come until later, so people have to kind of stick to what they know. And I-, I feel like we've talked about this before too, where when you do have that big um, format change. Um, you're always going to have people go to the things that they know will work. And obviously, triple aces is, is something, if you can fit certain combinations of ships into a list, you know it's going to be at least half decent, right? It's got a, a pretty clear floor. Um, and then, obviously, we see a lot of efficiency stuff here in the top 16, too, or, you know, the swarms of bombers, both Techno Union bombers, Scimitar squadrons. Um, there were Inquisitors with Foresight. So efficiency also usually pretty good in kind of a new meta. Um, the other thing, I, I did want to ask you guys, too, were there any lists in particular that stood out to you? I mean, we talked about you saw a lot of kind of typical stuff. Um, any lists, or I guess even opponents, even if the list was conventional, that kind of impressed you? John, did you have anything like that? Sure, yeah. So I think it was uh, my round four opponent, uh, Jonas Malapas, that also had a really fun scum jank list. Um, he was flying, uh, I think it was Sol Sixa, Zuvio in the quad jumper, um, Jostero, and uh, Tarani Kulda in the Kimogila. Uh, so it was uh, super interesting, just kind of some scum jank on scum jank, and we had a really fun, friendly game, and 
yeah, so that that fourth game was pretty fun, interesting. Oh, uh, that does sound like an awesome list. Carson, did you have any opponents or lists that you uh, stood out to you? Well, I did get to continue my rivalry with Doug Howe again this tournament. I <laughs> uh, got paired against him round one. And I will have to say, I mean, he keeps coming up with pretty awesome lists. And, and this one might take the cake. Um, he had five Scimitar Squadron pilots, the TIE Bombers, all with skilled bombardier and thermal detonators. And the combination of those bombers with their ship ability plus skilled bombardier and the thermal detonators means he can drop those things with either straights or banks at any speed between one and three. Like (laughs) um, that is a crazy amount of area coverage that he can provide with those five bombers. And then he also has a new squadron um, gunboat with uh, a tractor beam. That is that is completely bananas. <laughs> I wish I wish that game would have been on stream. Yeah, and there's an ion missile and some tracers in there as well. Um, yeah, it was interesting. The thing is, like you know, you have a whole block of six ships there, and in general, what I want to do against that is not be in front of them and take all their shots. I want to be on the sides flanking them, and with all that bomb coverage, like that, then also becomes an unpleasant strategy. And so what I really like there, uh, what Doug did is instead of like doubling down on, you know, having um, a swarm, it's like, okay, six ships with, um, you know, some efficiency on their offense through uh, the tracers and that tractor beam um, means, you know, the forward shots, like that's pretty good. Um, But then I'm going to cover the weakness of this squad. And that's, you know, when I get flanked Um, and uh, pretty cheaply, right? Like those thermal detonators, not that expensive and skill bomb deer is not that expensive. And so like, that's just a really cool efficiency list. And it did not help that I rolled very well on all the thermal detonators that I took. <laughs> um, so, so once again, uh, Doug beat me again, which is fun. Um, he, he's definitely a worthy nemesis. So that's good. Uh, so we saw some scum jank. We saw some great bombers. Andy, what did you see? Sure. Um, I really enjoyed uh, a big variety of uh, opponents, uh, both geographically, like a couple Chileans, a couple Peruvians, guy from Italy, uh, etc. Um, but also uh, just in the in their ship choices, um, I we saw some stuff that has been around for quite a while. Like uh, Giovanni Di Rosso was flying four K wings with bomblet delayed fuses and barrage rockets and one of them had sabine so again uh kind of to carson's point of like well i don't want to be in front of them because of the barrage rockets and i don't want to be on the side because they have the bow tie arc and i don't want to be behind them because they have the bomblet generator (laughs) so (laughs) there's just no good position um but uh i was able to to win that game but it was it was one of those oh my gosh uh, this was one of the first games i played against when second edition came out um and uh so just having flashbacks to that was kind of kind of menacing but um i got to play against ken cho uh one of carson's buddies and uh who i have uh chatted with before and uh, i've actually seen him play basically the same list, maybe a couple different upgrades, but he was flying AP five Luke Skywalker and wedge and both Luke and wedge were loaded to the gills. Um, and, uh, but then I also saw, um, 
I really liked uh, Alberto Ego Aguirre. I'm probably butchering his name. And I'm sorry about that, but he had uh, he made he came in 23rd, and he was flying the Scum Han Solo with uh, a few upgrades like um, you know Lando's title and uh, uh, Lando crew, so he can get the uh, the rerolls uh, IG88, um, so he gets the uh, you, you know double calculates. So you can spend one to re-roll two dice and then mod one of those anyways so he had the the loaded out scum uh, han solo and then he had all four quad jumpers <laughs> yep it's so sarco <laughs> plank uncar plot constable zuvio with connor nets and a jakku gunrunner with tobias beckett yeah it was amazing uh and uh, i can't wait to fly this list i think is it just looked like so much fun i love quad jumpers that's actually when i first got into the game was uh, right before quad jumpers came out i remember going to fantasy flight game center for their like play until midnight tournament uh so that at midnight they could sell the new ships uh to people there and i that was the first ship i bought at that was a a, a quad jumper because i thought this looks interesting <laughs> and i love episode seven you know so um and then an autopilot drone and um so that was the that was a fun list um but i also um flew against you know like a a ray with two two a wings um and uh my um i got to play against marcel manzano and he had the four a wing list which was incredibly powerful it was really fun to watch him just pounce on my kylo ren because he had a nine point bid (laughs) and so he had three i5 a wings uh all with proton rockets and heroic and advanced optics and then merle uh with intimidation uh so if you bump into merle not only does merle's ability trigger where you lose an agility because you're in his bullseye but also he has intimidation so you're effectively down two dice um and then the other ships just kind of swoop in and shoot you with proton rockets and um yeah and then uh one my top eight opponent was juan pablo gonzalez who i got to play in the uh, very first uh space jam the gold squadron podcast space jam he and i faced off and he was flying as far as i can tell the exact same list which was six techno union bombers uh two of which with discord missiles and they all had struts and proximity mines so if you want to talk about bombing swarms <laughs> uh oh my gosh that that list uh it just absolutely crushed me uh when we played in the space jam tournament uh, but this time I, I kind of knew what to expect from him and, uh, was able to, to win that one, but, uh, it was close. It was, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, a lot of great variety. I think the meta, uh, that I saw was really healthy. I was so thankful not to have to face off against any, uh, Nantex. I, I played in three of the galactic championships and, uh, both or two of the times that I uh, lost my second game were to spam text, and I was just kind of thankful <laughs> kinda, that kinda I didn't have to it. face that again. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I will have to so. say, just echoing what Andy said, like I think the meta does look pretty healthy just looking at this event. 
it was a lot of fun. All, all the games were enjoyable. Yeah, I, I mean, you're seeing a lot of different pilots on here, even if you're seeing a, different swarms. They're all at least different swarms, so that's a very good sign right now. Um, obviously, you guys had a lot of tough games. You had some really good records there. I feel like we do need to talk a little bit about the um, the games that people can view online via the Gold Squadron stream. Uh, so, Carson, your top 16 match, you played against the eventual champion, Marcelo. Yeah, and so, I mean... Uh, this was funny, you know, you get that matchup the night before, you get a look at the list, and I'm looking at him like, oh, this is going to be great. He's got some Imperial Aces that line up with my initiatives. You know, I got Poe at six and Lulo at five, and I outbid him by one point. Like, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> um, and, you know, going to what we talked about last week of, you know, one of the important lessons in chess that also very much applies in X-Wing is, you know, if you want to win tournaments you have to be able to learn how to win playing black as well as white um and marcelo definitely a master at this uh, yeah. talking with him before the match i was like okay like you just have the one point bid there and he's like yeah i've played against a bunch of aces and i'm like okay andy's here which means he beat all those aces <laughs> with no bid so he knows what he's doing yeah um yeah so having to move first with those aces was not a problem for him um you know, this game did not really go my way. Um, a lot of the games uh, the day before went pretty well. And then playing this top 16, it did not go my way. And by that, I mean, like, I really didn't get to play the game I wanted. And part of that is some mistakes on my part. And part of that is just some excellent maneuvering by Marcelo. Um, I think I didn't quite set up my asteroids that well. And that kind of um, inhibited the movements of Jess and Rose quite a bit. You know, when you have these um, matchups with, you know, varying initiatives, you know, okay, I'm moving second. I really want to send my initiative six after Vader, right? That I have a distinct advantage uh, maneuvering wise. And I want to send Lulo at like the Inquisitor uh, where I have that repositioning advantage as well. And for some reason, I just like decided to do the exact opposite. And um, Marcelo you know, capitalized on that. That's what he wanted, right? He sent Vader after Lulo um, because there, you know, Vader does have that repositioning advantage. And I sent Poe chasing the Inquisitor. And I, I'm not really sure why I did that. Um, that seems foolish. And um, he did a great job capitalizing him. I basically let him get to play the game he wanted to play. And so no doubt that he wins that matchup, right? Like that's he, I just basically gave him the advantage back, uh, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Whatever advantage he, you, you were trying to claim, he just took right back, even at the uh, disadvantage of playing second. I, I, I mean, I liked his list, uh, some strong aces here. I, I love just the grand inquisitor being featured on the list with no upgrades. Um, just speaks to the, how powerful the force mechanic is in the game. Um, Grand Inquisitor, he had Darth Vader with fire control system afterburners, and then uh, probably the most interesting ship, Echo, with collision detector, fifth brother, one of my favorites, and uh, targeting computer. So really strong aces list for Marcelo here. Obviously strong for him, took him to the final table and took the event for him. Right, and what I do want to touch on is that Echo in particular. You know, he doesn't really have much upgrades on either of his other ships, um, spending a lot of points upgrading that Phantom, and it definitely paid off for him. Echo seemed to be the all-star in all of his games. Definitely the all-star in his game against me, um, and definitely in his final match, uh, winning him the game. Like his Echo play was phenomenal. It's a hard shift to play. Um, just you know, tracking that um, banked decloak 
and it's you know only at initiative four, so you do really have to do the setup right for yeah. that to really function like an ace. And you know, at initiative four too, you're always kind of playing first. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the stream game uh, that I play, it, it is that echo in particular that just just take me apart. Uh, so Andy, you made it down to top four, so you played up against uh, Arturo Aliaga, who ended up being the finalist for this event. He was flying. Uh, 204th Battalion pilot ARC 170s, a Wolf ARC 170, and then the new Anakin in the Ada 2 with Predator and Shield upgrade. Um, and I wanted to talk about this game because uh, my first reaction was I jumped into the stream a couple minutes in, um, at least a few minutes in, I'd say. So you kind of got the setup going, and I looked at the board and I said, Awesome, Andy did the perfect setup. He's, he looks like he's good to go. And then I remember that you were playing First Order and not playing the Republic. So that kind of inverted in my <laughs> mind really quickly. But yeah. Well, and that's one of those things in X-Wing where, you know, you're looking at, okay, when you're setting your dials, okay, what is my opponent going to do? And like, how are my moves going to line up with that? And, you know, you went all in trying to get that Anakin um, thinking he's going to go fast and instead he hardly moves at all. Right. And so then, then you look like a fool. <laughs> right. And if he does the other thing, like you look like a genius and, and like, that's just part of the game. And I think that kind of gets missed uh, when you're not, you know, in the moment there. Yeah. I, I think if people weren't paying attention to the idea that you would be trying to go all in on Anakin, um, that's maybe one of those cases where, what do they say? You know, sometimes really high level X-wing looks like really low level X-wing. Um, that's kind of the case where you, you went for something where if it would have paid off, it would have been phenomenal. Instead, it just looked kind of mediocre, right? Well, I'll take your generosity. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and yeah, I, that's exactly right. And I, um, you know, I watched the game on, uh, Twitch this, this afternoon, just as some, to get some perspective and, and to enjoy hearing what the, uh, commentators had to say and, you know, watch the, the chat. And I think you guys are right. Um, that what you perceived was, and what I was trying to do, uh, in the very, uh, opening, um, was that Anakin had put himself in a corner and was facing, towards my swarm and so i thought okay he's either going to just do like a a little hard turn and barrel roll away um and and that seems like the safe choice right or he can do this system phase shenanigans of doing like a boost and then five forwarding and taking a barrel roll or something so that um I will overcommit uh, to going after him in the corner when actually he'll end up like midway down the board past all of my arcs. And so, um, right. so what I did was I ended up overthinking um, what my opponent was going to do. And, and what I should have done was just turned at the arcs and tried to clean out an arc or an arc and a half uh, in the first couple rounds of engagement and worried about Anakin later. Um, because I think based on my lists, you know, two agility versus all the arcs, one agility, and the fact that uh, all the missiles that I have can be shot out the back and you don't get the range bonus. What I should have done is just turned in, taken on the arcs head on, you know, maybe lose a ship like I did, 
which I feel was a bit of an anomaly in that the first two rolls, I rolled four blank green dice and then three blank green dice. <laughs> and uh, I'm not blaming my dice for that <laughs> initial engage, losing a ship like I clearly deserved to lose a ship. However, uh, it was frustrating that uh, it went sideways so quickly. Um, I think if that ship had lived, even with one health left, uh, I could have just five forwarded past the arcs turned my arc behind and shot um and it but you know that's how the game works sometimes and i shouldn't have uh committed to annie right away but i thought or i overthought myself and or i overthought what my opponent was going to do and i was kind of hoping to look like the genius on stream but uh also uh i think all of us can agree that uh, anytime you're playing in a day two scenario, you're already exhausted from the first day and your brain has melted. <laughs> and so, certainly, yeah. um, and this, <laughs> the last time I made a day two was like a year and a half ago. So this is, uh, and that was only like the first time I had made a day two. So I'm still pretty new at making uh, cuts in these big tournaments and getting to, to play at that high level with some really phenomenal players. Uh, like even though I felt like I, um, had a chance at that game, Arturo is a phenomenal player and, uh, you know, he deserved to win against me because I screwed up the opening and he played the opening very well. And, um, and so I'm, I am so grateful that, uh, he and I had a really fun game. Um, if you, you can't see it on the stream, but um, after those first couple rolls where I I blanked out, I just typed in the chat, uh, ha 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 because <laughs> I was hoping that the people uh, commentating on the stream would at least acknowledge that. Hey, I've got a fun sense of humor about how this is going. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think also it really um, this is something that I need to get better at when uh, playing X Wing in a competitive sense um, is that. After I lost that tie SF, uh, I felt like I was behind the whole rest of the game, even though there were multiple ways for me to turn it around um, over the course of the game. That's something that um, had it been day one and I was feeling fresh or had it been just like a fun casual tournament, I might not have been so down on my uh, on my luck or down on my decisions. You know, I was just kind of caught in my own head for the next 55 minutes or however long the game lasted after that. And so that's something that I know about myself I can definitely improve upon is having a more resilient competitive mindset. Um, And kind of going back to what Carson was saying of, you know, he looked at his opponent's list the night before and was like, okay, I got this. I know what I'm going to do. I went the opposite way. I played the six rounds of day one and uh, basically collapsed onto my couch afterwards and barely moved because I was standing at my standing desk for the whole uh, first day. And that's a mistake too. So all you listeners out there, uh, move around, get do some stretches. Um, well, no, Andy, and- like I want to cut in and say, I think what you did was the right approach. Like I thought I, you know, figured that out the night before and then that morning did not do what I was supposed to do. Right. Um, sure. And like, you know, when you get that, pairing and you have to figure it out in a few minutes i think my mind works a lot better that way where i I don't spend too long and i i figure out the plan and i execute it right like 
that's what I have a lot more practice with. Um, you know, sure. is, is that Swiss schedule? Go with your intuition, right? Because like if you were playing the right. games consecutively, don't overthink. Yeah, it. you wouldn't have the whole night to think about it. And Andy, I'm going to say too, I like I, I'm going to stand by you in a top four game going for that commit on Anakin because I think there is something too when you're into the top cut play. Like those games are not des- decided by average play; they're decided by big moves, right? And you know. I, I, I could never say you made the wrong call there because he very much could have moved in aggressively. So I think I think that's another thing to keep in mind. You have to make those big calls and sometimes they're going to pay off and sometimes they're not. Yeah, and also I know that my, um, you know, they, they also say, I don't know who they are, but they say that, you know, in order to win at tournaments, you know, these hyper-competitive uh, tournaments where you've got all these international players who are very well skilled at, uh, at oh, the they're game amazing. and their lists. Absolutely. They're phenomenal. Um, uh, like my top 16 game against Marcel, I mean, how many cuts has that guy made in the last, uh, just since the pandemic? <laughs> yeah, you know, like I think more than all of us every... combined, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know, that was one of those things where it takes – it takes some skill, but it also takes some luck. And I know that uh, my luck was holding pretty strong, not only in my matchups, like I felt I had pretty good matchups, um, but also just in my dice. Uh, there were plenty of time, like my top eight game against Juan Pablo, um, almost all of my target lock rerolls on those missiles uh, went to hits or crits. And uh and that was that felt great. And then in my top four game against Arturo, if you watch all of my missile target lock rerolls, with the exception of one, like the next five all came up empty. <laughs> like it's just okay. That's how it goes, and uh, that's the that's the price that you eventually pay when you're relying on something as you know a coin flip like target locks. Um, and so you know what? That's that's just how it goes, and uh, and. Um, that's why some of these like Imperial Aces lists that get target lock focus or target lock and the force almost every round, it's like you are bringing uh, such a high skill list um, because you're making those big plays and you've got the consistency mm-hmm. of your dice. Whereas uh, the list that I brought, I felt, okay, I know how to fly one ace like Kylo Ren, even though I hadn't flown Kylo Ren before. I'd played a lot of Boba and Fen Rao. Uh, Fen Rao, if you put Fen in the wrong place once, he's gone, right? And so um, I felt okay flying Kylo Ren. And I also am comfortable with generic play. Uh, for the past several tournaments, I've played the the Seek Swarm with a couple Fang Fighters, you know? Uh, just kind of slow roll, get your arc set up right, and uh, range control. I've had a lot of experience range control lists and um so that's uh kind of why i did what yeah. i did um, i feel like i'm rambling now so you can <laughs> cut any of that you want so <laughs> so i think you know to close off this conversation let's just go for i think it's good to reminisce about the event and what's the biggest singular thing you learned like what's one takeaway you want to share with our audience carson let's start with you uh i mean just not that I learned anything new. It's just, of course, this community is amazing. We were able to raise about $3,000 for uh, La Casa de Todos. So that's awesome. That's my big takeaway. John? Uh, yeah, I guess just, you know, the, the nature of online play is so different from actual on-the-table play. So, like, 
you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Like I hate to lose and maybe online play is not my thing, but uh, ultimately like it's just a game at the end of the day. And yeah, like Carson said, the community is great and I got to talk to some really cool people from around the world. So really fun. Andy. Yeah. I want to kind of second Carson's uh, ideal about the, uh, just the generosity and good-natured spirit of our X-Wing community. Um, it's not something I'm surprised by, but it's something I'm very uh, grateful for and, and thankful of in, uh, in that not only did 120-some uh, people agree to pay, what was it, like 20 or $25 just to enter this charity tournament, right? Um, and so they already raised... Um, two twenty two, you know, two thousand twenty five hundred dollars, um, just from entry fees. But then combined with uh, all the donations that came in uh, over the couple days, um, you know, this community really did uh, such a, a fantastic job for the people of of Peru. And um, and I also learned about myself that uh, I can't stand at my standing desk for <laughs> ten hours straight, perhaps. <laughs> Uh, or bring a list that doesn't go to time almost every game. Oh Perhaps the most important <laughs> lesson. Uh. <laughs> yeah, do some stretches, uh, drink a lot of water, uh, take a seat now and then. Yeah. So. Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, where can we, you, we've got your new ASMR podcast. Where can people find that? Oh, yeah. Um, so I have started this uh, absurdist creative project called Glitter Stim ASMR. Uh and for those of you who didn't play first edition, Glitter Stim was a first edition card uh, for the scum faction. It's basically drugs in Star Wars. Uh, so Glitter Stim ASMR, it's on YouTube. Um, you can just type into Google or whatever your preferred search engine is, uh, Glitter Stim ASMR. And uh, I've got four or five videos up there right now. Um, there's a Patreon as well. And um, it's just something that I uh, looked around and thought, you know what we don't have in our X-Wing community? And you also know what we don't need <laughs> in our X-Wing community is an ASMR channel. And so I recognized the the opportunity and uh, decided to have some fun you with found, it. So, you found the niche um, in the niche. Andy, thank you for being on the show. The niche in the niche. Thank you so much, everybody. And thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Please consider going on iTunes and leaving the podcast a five-star review, saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash Radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. And thank you to everyone who's already supported the show. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.